0: On this episode of AV Week, Avixis says Pro AV will hit $325 billion by 2024. Is the future of AV software doing better for everyone in the AV industry? All that and more, next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What
0: are you listening to?
1: This, this is AV. This. This, this is this AV, AV Nation. Nation. This is AV
2: Nation.
0: This is AV Week, episode 410, recorded Friday, June 28th, 2019. The future of AV. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, Sound Extraordinary, and by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box, and by Christie Digital. This is AV Week. Your weekly wrap up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. I would say that I just flew in from Orlando, but that would be a lie. It uh, <laughs> happened two weeks ago, uh, we took some time off, gave you two episodes of live from Info.com. So this is our first show back in the studio. So with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, Kaylee Melton from AVI SPL in Southern California. Welcome, ma'am.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely, uh, Also with us is a buddy, uh, Mr. Luke Jordan from Electric Acoustics in Fort Worth, Texas. Welcome, sir.
2: Hey, man. Thanks for having me back. How are you doing? Absolutely.
0: And last but not least, uh, actually, Michael and Kaylee both are our are, are, are first-timers, at least on this show. Uh, Michael Peebler from Atlas IED, also from uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area. Welcome, sir.
3: Thanks, Tim. We're glad to
0: be here. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's let's kick this off. I, this may be the very first story we've ever done from the uh, website Medium. If you're not familiar with Medium, Medium is a great actually uh, resource. Lots of really smart people just take time to write on Medium on a variety of subjects. Um, folks like uh, Jeff Bezos has written on there. Uh, you know, folks that, that you would think would be writing blogs use Medium a, as a, as a resource. So the person who wrote this one, his name is Andrew Davis, and Andrew is a programmer. At Ignite, uh, at Ignite CSG, Andrew writes about, quote, unquote, software eating AV. Uh, he uses the Mark Andrews, Andreessen, quote, software is eating the world to start off this piece. In the article, Davis outlines the trajectory, as he sees it, of the audiovisual industry. In short, the only product will be the transducers, quote, unquote, cameras, mics, speakers, and displays. Everything else will live on the network in some way. He paints what could be a bleak p- picture of the future if you're not prepared, as he says. Davis recommends getting your programming chops up to speed with Java, Python, etc. Uh, the article actually made the rounds uh, through a number of people, some, some, some AV professionals I respect, uh, folks like Chris Netto uh, and David Danto passed it around. Uh, Luke, I want to start with you on this. Uh, as, as one of the two integrators in this, as an industry, what are we to do? if if Andrew Davis is correct and we are heading to a world in AV where there is no middleware, but just peripherals.
2: Uh, I think the first thing is you got to do the peripherals really well. Um, I I agree that the transducers aren't going away. Um, Microphone speakers, acoustics, all of that has to be done um, just near perfect every time. Um, I do agree with the article as a whole that you are seeing a lot of networked audio, video, you know, Dante's doing video now, AV over IP, uh, things are living in the cloud and I uh, think you are seeing a lot of IT managers really changing a lot of their internal policies for whose network uh, things live on and, and what is being communicated and passed around, and who's got access. And so that's all being rewritten. Um, so I do think it's definitely moving that way. And I think, you know, you see uh, a lot of manufacturers or, or a few manufacturers are starting to move into that development side to support that, that need. Uh, but I think the, the, the critical part that has to go hand in hand with that is, is you can currently still do AV without the, the software side. And so if you're going to move into that software defined space the the physical elements that that can't change like speakers mics cameras everything that's mentioned that has to be executed perfectly um, and it's all got to work hand in hand
0: all right michael uh luke mentioned the manufacturers what do manufacturers do i mean do you guys focus on the transducers you guys atlas sells several of those do you focus on those and make sure you do those really really well but also make sure that you have the software in the back end to support it you know,
3: Atlas ID, as, as a typical example, we've got the endpoints, right? We've got the, the transducers, the speakers on the end, but they're all being controlled and managed by uh, hardware applications that require software programming. And we're one of many, many manufacturers that require or have a similar model. And so this transition to software driving the endpoints is, is already in full swing. Um, and, and it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen over time. But uh, as a manufacturer, we and, and most others are already on that transition.
0: All right, Kaylee, uh, you've got a unique position, uh, at least from the, 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 the rest of us three. Uh, you've worked for both manufacturers and, and integrators as well. So when it comes to this view of the future, how do we get both manufacturers and integrators together? And honestly, the designers that kind of start everything uh, right after they, do, they get done doing a start site survey, they then have to change their process, I guess, uh, from you know, thinking about you know, starting with middleware, which when I was a designer, that's where we would start, is how many endpoints and outpoints did we have, to really focusing on the peripherals, I guess.
1: So I want to start by saying it was a very well-written article, but I think it does a disservice to ignore the future of technology and the new products that are being developed, that are being thought of, you can talk about endpoints and endpoints and how do we design around what is here currently, but without considering there is so much future tech that's still being developed, that's new things that haven't been seen before, that haven't been shown, (laughs) that will be taken into consideration. And yes, software is a giant piece of it. And yes, programming is integral and imperative if we're going to talk about future state, but you can't ignore that things are changing. And I think that was more what the article was trying to talk about. Don't stick in the past and and get stuck thinking that all you have are what's been done before. And how do you make that better? You have so much new stuff coming out every single day.
0: No, that's a really good point is the fact that that we still don't know uh, what's gonna come next, honestly. To be quite frank, uh, you really don't. So,
1: the are, needs are changing and developing every day as well. And in order to meet those needs, yes, we're going to have to develop and change and write new programming and change our focus to be customer and client focused.
0: Yeah, Absolutely, absolutely.
2: One of the one of the things that I think is is a interesting shift is I'm getting a lot of requests from end users um, asking if if we go with this solution that you've recommended. Will we have the ability to edit code, make changes on our own, or do I have to rely on you? Do I have to call you out and pay expensive fees for you to, to do all that, even if I'm doing it remotely? They're, they're starting to beef up their own internal staff and they're wanting to get end users certified and be able to, to take care of all that. And so, as we shift towards standard programming languages, I think you're going to see a lot of the end users grow with that and they're going to want to be able to do that themselves and that is going to cut out a lot of the the integration market um there's a there's a project i bid on recently where they were going to hand us code that had already been written and they were going to ask us to just make whatever modifications was needed to control the peripherals that were specified but that the base uh, programming code was already going to be written and handed over to us if we won. So I, I even bid specifications and control design is just going a completely different direction from where it's been.
3: Yeah, we see, we've seen that in higher
1: education.
3: I'm sorry, Kaylee. All I was going to say is we've seen that in higher education for years, you know, market that I've worked a lot of. Um, you know, it, it went from being um, you know, it was an AV guy to now it's in, it's a classroom technology guy that does AB and is doing everything on the network. So they're very comfortable on the IT side and now they're getting certified. And, and I've talked to many, many of those departments and on university campuses, you know, globally. And the only reason in many cases they're still using integration is because of the scale of the labor, uh, over the summer. But it's not because they feel like they're bringing as much value anymore, and that's not a shot. It's just these guys are getting really educated. They're going to all of our shows. What, what I'm seeing the data from this year, but the year before, 40% of the attendees at uh, Infocom were end users. They're going and they're attending the same classes. They're getting CTS certified. They're getting trained, and they're taking that responsibility themselves.
1: We're seeing the same thing in the industry where we're providing. Integration services and being asked to work directly with their programmers to write our DSP hooks to, to put the control code together That it's not all on us. It's not all specified by us We can make suggestions, but it's more custom fit to what they want
0: oh, Very cool. Very cool. Uh, all right. Our next story actually comes with us from commercial integrator of VIX's Iota which stands uh, Iota is uh, the Industry Outlook and Trends Analysis. Global Summary predicts the pro-AV industry will reach $325 billion by 2024, up from $247 billion in 2019. The increase, according to Avixa, is driven by rising GDP throughout the world. Asia-Pacific has officially overtaken uh, the U.S. as the largest market, uh, putting the U.S. at number two, U.S. Uh, sitting at $89 billion and Asia Pac at ninety billion. The one takeaway I want, I want to uh, point out about this article, though, is it references kind of our previous story a little bit in the fact that they're forecasting ten billion dollars in cloud services for the AV industry. So, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if Avixa read you know uh, Mr. Davis's post beforehand, but very uh, very apropos. Uh, Michael, we'll start with you on this. How do manufacturers, or what do, what do manufacturers do? Um, to kind of uh, make sure that that they're capitalizing on this projected growth uh, that evicts is forecasting?
3: Well, first of all, I think most of us try to really think globally today, right? We have to look, when we're looking at product development, the world of certifications and licensing and all the things required to get the product out globally has become a standard part of the program or product development process. Um, and, and we have to continue to look at the management and expansion of our channel. Um, but we have to understand that a lot of our customers' needs are the same depending on the verticals we're selling into. So we have to, to look at addressing that and then localize to the best, uh, best degree possible as a, as a manufacturer. So um, if I'm selling into schools, um, as an example, what the, my message to schools in the United States may be different to my schools in France where it's very socialized far as funding, uh, but might be very different to China or, or, or somewhere else in, in Asia Pacific. Um, so I've got to continue to rely on that local uh, reference uh, to to what, what verbiage, what wording, what, what uh, key points are going to help uh, drive and develop product um, to be appropriate for those markets. And then the last thing I'd say is we have to keep looking at how we distinguish ourselves. One of the interesting things in the article it talked about is mass notification and the the expected continued growth of the demand for mass notification because of security and safety uh, around the world. And that's something we've done. We really, instead of focusing as much on what goes in the room, we're focusing on what goes on the campus Um, because the bucket for keeping everybody safe tends to be a pretty big bucket today. And so we have to continue to look to find our niche.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kaylee, uh, working for ABISPL for as a as a global integrator, how do how do global integrators take a look at this, and you know make sure that they're capitalizing on the on the various areas?
1: Well, we're global integrators selling to global companies. You've got a a company who wants their office in Brentwood to look the same as their office in Milwaukee and have the same level of service, so that if somebody moves from office to office, things still work, look the same, and there is a, a growth and learning curve. We're selling to everyone. We're selling something that works no matter where you're at and no matter what you're you're doing. That way there is no learning curve. No, uh, well, I know how to use the touch panel here, but I don't know how to use the touch panel there because it's set up differently. It's the ability to walk into a room and already know how to use something. And diversifying that way and and Pushing standards is what works Makes things easier for everyone involved
0: yeah, Absolutely uh, Luke as the as a local integrator. How do you take a look at this this global? Um, forecast and make sure that you guys are, are doing the best that you can to, to capitalize at a, at a local
2: level I'm moving to India <laughs> 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 <a bug>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think what, what our clients look to us is to have our pulse on the global market and understand where trends are going and what, what meets their ROI, whether that's financial savings, increased efficiency, ease of communication with their clients, uh, or even just communicating to people in the room in the most effective way looking, um, looking forward. So um, I look at this as trying to understand where the global economy is going and what uh, trends are driving that, what innovations are driving that, and then making sure that we're not putting in yesterday's solution, but that we are advising them and guiding them on how to spend their capital and how to um, stay up with the rest of the world so they don't get left behind. And then just do that really well at a local level as a trusted partner.
0: Very good. Uh, final story here comes to us from SCN and our friend uh, Brandy Alvarado. Uh, Brandy is one of the driving forces in our online community as well as with the, the Women of the Vixa Council. She's actually the current chair. She wrote a piece in SCN about two events in the AV industry that were pivotal to her life. One was positive and one was incredibly negative. Uh, the positive was the encouragement she's had uh, surrounding her becoming the, the Women of VIXA the chair, the, the encouragement she's gotten through the community. The other was at at an Infocom event a number of years ago, and she was assaulted at an industry event, a word that she says, quote, unquote, she doesn't use very lightly. The article goes on to highlight other areas in and around the Infocom show that still occur to women in this industry. Before we start with with the questions, and we're putting a link to the article as well, um, personally, uh, as somebody in this industry, as a man in this industry, um, I want to say to Brandy, and to every other woman who has ever had anything happen to them, whether it's been assaulted or you've been shot down or told to shut up and just stand there and hold the product, which is one of the examples that Brandy uses in, in her article uh, or mansplained something because there are smart people way smarter than I am. Uh, two of my favorite programmers in the world uh, happen to be a uh, female and they are wonderful people and, and continue to educate folks. Um, this shouldn't happen. Just flat out shouldn't happen is what I want to say. And we are equals in this industry. I don't care what gender you are, what color you are, what religion, what race, what belief you are. We are all equal in this industry and we should treat each other. So, um, honestly, uh, I'm going to start with Kaylee on this and flat out just ask straight up, very simple. What can, and <laughs> what should Um, people who are in, I guess, the majority, or just to say, what should men do in this industry to support women um, and to prevent uh, things like this that happen to Brandy?
1: Oh, that is a big question. Um, To support us, honestly, I'd love to see more women in leadership in this industry. The ratio is... Unfortunately poor when it comes to AV, when it comes to construction, when it comes to integrators and manufacturers alike. The number of women I I see out there is far outweighed by the number of men. And if you don't have women in your meetings, if you don't have women in your offices, then you don't have those opinions, those knowledge bases, those outlooks, or even the design perspective. Hotel rooms are designed for men. Bathrooms are designed for men. The uh, temperature control in office rooms is designed for men. I freeze to death. Consider us. <laughs> Remember that uh, there is another opinion out there.
0: I would just say that part again about the hotels that are designed, you know, you, you, you make a very good point about the fact that not just hotels, but also probably conference rooms as well, that spaces that are designed for folks that are, you know, you're, you're the design for men and, and a lot of times the design considerations aren't taken for other people.
1: I cannot tell you how many times I walk into a hotel room and go, oh, look, no full length mirror. Who is this made for? It's not made for me. Or uh, a fixture that is six feet high when I am not, <laughs> how am I even supposed to reach that? Let alone work with that in a room.
0: Absolutely, uh, Mr. Jordan will come with you on this. Uh, what can we as an industry do to be to be better?
2: Uh, I think the first step is is what Brandy did, um, what. Um, Kate did on on Twitter this last week, I think is just be vocal about you know uh, see something say something um, I think what what Brandy put in the article what what happens is is there's not there's a level of uncomfort about saying what's happening and calling someone out um, and i I understand that um, to a degree. Um, I have been sexually harassed, just, just catcalled. And you, you don't want to make waves. You don't want to call attention to yourself. And when no one is, is called out in that way, it, it just perpetuates the idea that I can get away with this or maybe someone doesn't even realize that they are obscenely inappropriate in their actions and their words. And so I think to, to plant a, f- a flag and say this is not okay this is not who we are um, I think I think that's very important I think the other one is listen um, so someone came on Twitter this last week and said hey there's this inf- incident at Infocom this is what happened um, And someone else kind of chimed in and said man uh, they, they, they tagged Dave Lebuskus at Evixa and said what are you gonna do about it and he said and he, he directly responded. he says I'm here I'm listening someone made the, the idea to put something in the uh, Avixa app for the trade show um, to where you can report that. And that can go to the, the staff that is in charge of that show and is providing that experience, and they can directly respond to that. So I was very encouraged that, that Avixa is, is listening and responding to that. Uh, Dave's response was, I don't know what we're going to do yet, but we're, we're, this is on our, our front burner, and we are aware of that. So, um, and then the third one I think is just creating a community where people are are watching for that. So as, as a man, I know that this is something I need to be looking for that if I see somebody that looks uncomfortable, instead of wondering, I hope they're okay, is, is just having the, the gumption to walk up and insert myself into that conversation. And if nothing's happening, I'm a fun social guy and I get to make new friends. And if something is happening... I can read that social cue and I can take someone out of a bad situation or even tell someone that they've had too much and it's time to leave. So I think people need to be bold and to uh, just insert themselves into that situation.
1: I second that. Men who are aware are our best advocates. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you for that. Thank you.
2: You're welcome. All right, Mr. P. Um, I, think, I think the other thing too is I went to the Avixa Women's Breakfast as well this summer, and the CEO of Sure, um, I don't, I'm going to say her last name wrong, so I'm just going to say Christine. Um, it, it was amazing. They they said, you know, how many women in the industry are in a STEM field, uh, and they didn't they weren't trying to say, well, if you're in marketing or support or you know something that's not technical, they weren't saying that was bad, but they were highlighting how few women even in a women's breakfast had a stem role or background Uh, Christine was a uh, engineer for sure since 89 and had worked in a technical stem role the whole time and she's fantastic and she's a great leader she was a great presenter she carried herself very well very professional had great insights and just don't go into what you were saying Kaylee she had such a great perspective and voice and way of thinking about things. As a man, it was refreshing to hear that in the industry and to be a fly on the wall and, and and be a part of that. And so I think the other thing, I think the VIXA Foundation is working on this too and NSCA Ignite is how do we highlight the need for women and not just filling a quota, but there is a need for those skills, perspectives, resources, and actively working to promote and grow uh, the female
0: uh, sector of the industry. Yeah, absolutely. All right Mr. Peebler, uh same kind of question but what can we do to be better?
2: Yeah, so
3: um, I I bring a, a pretty personal perspective to this obviously uh, my wife is in the industry, right? So so I bring that right off the bat as someone who who's out there and and Luke knows her well as as well and a very very strong personality very um very uh, strong woman but but I, I wanna step back for one second and say I, I while I, I grew up in a house of all women, my father passed from I was very, very young. So um I grew up with kind of two sisters and my mom. And so I've always been very, very partial, um, you know, very protective for lack of a better term. Um I, I think our industry has a bigger issue than just a, a, a lack of women and a disrespect for women. I think our, our our industry has a has a challenge of looking the same, period. We we need people of different races. We need people of of different shapes and sizes. We need more young people. We need more. I I really think it's it's there's a there's a major issue there. We've got a lot of people who are cycling company to company. And I know that may kind of be a hot opinion, but, um, and, and people are are hiring them because of their experience, instead of saying, you know what, I should go get somebody younger and train them. I should go get, you know, we should go recruit more engineers that are women. We should go, uh, you know, if you want to change the perspective, change it from the ground up in the way that it's built. But I, I think you know, back kind of to and and I agree with everything Kaylee and Luke had said. You know, first you you've got to create the opportunity for awareness, right? So people have to be able to speak up without there being consequence for speaking up. You got to educate. I, 20 years as a, working for manufacturers, um, you you got to educate you know, people on what's right and what's wrong. I I had an experience at Infocom this year where we were in setup, and there was a young lady working in our booth, and and I said please, we both kind of hit a a corridor at the same time. And and we weren't both going to fit through the door at the same time. And I said, please, ladies first. And she looked at me and she goes, it's 2019. And I said, I'm sorry, my mom, like would have slapped me in the back of the head if I walked in front of you. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just being respectful. I'm from Texas, ladies first, right? It, It didn't, I didn't have any other agenda, right? I was just being respectful. And so I, you know, maybe I need to continue to learn, right. I didn't mean anything by it. I certainly didn't have another opinion. I was trying to be respectful. So, but, but I think you have to continue to educate not only people about what's right and wrong, but, but, you know, as a 51 year old guy, continue to educate me if the, if the rules are changing, keep letting us know how the rules are changing because there's no bad intent. Right. And, and so, um, and, and then there has to be consequence. Let's, let's face it. Um, there are things that happen and companies that gloss it over because yeah, but he's our best sales guy or he's a senior leader. There has to be consequences. If guys are breaking the rules and they're doing things that are unethical or wrong or making people feel violated or uncomfortable, they don't need to be in our industry and there need to be consequences for those kind of behaviors. And I think we need to get more serious about that. And as a manufacturer, and dealers, and every other component in there, I think we need to put actions behind the words of we're going to do better and start making their consequences so people will act better. Anyway, that's me.
1: There's consequences, and there's also incentivizing people to report these things. The response that happened at AVIXA is wonderful and commendable, but that they didn't have something in place to begin with, that they didn't consider that to be a problem says something about what they think of situations like that. How do you incentivize people to want to come forward to want to say, "Hey, your best sales guy is also the worst person," or wh- whomever it? You That's also true. incentivize people to want to come forward.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, because it, it, right now, and 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 Brandy in, in her article, you know, she mentioned the fact that, that she did not say anything at the time, uh, because there 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 has been in the past, you know, backlash against women who have reported, uh, not just in this industry, but in other places, and, and the entire Me Too movement was kind of a watershed moment of, you know, these women coming forward, even though they hadn't said anything for years, because again, in those industries, there was backlash, there was retribution uh, for, for saying something. So absolutely. All right, folks, uh, that is going to do it for us. Thank you all so much. Miss Kaylee Milton from AVI SPL, thank you. How do people get a hold of you or AVI SPL?
1: They can most certainly find me on LinkedIn,
2: Kaylee Milton.
0: All right, very good. Mr. Jordan, thank you, sir, as always. uh, How do people get a hold of you or electroacoustics?
2: Uh, Our website is eavi.com, and you can find me on Twitter, at Luke Jordan, E-A-V-I. All right,
0: very good. And Mr. Michael Peebler from Atlas IED. Thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you or Atlas? Uh, Atlas is
3: atlasied.com. Head us there anytime. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I work with Gina, so I have to be very, very social in all platforms. So you can find me anywhere. uh, If you can spell the last name, P-E-V-E-L-A-R, you're good to go. And
0: that would be Ms. uh, Gina Sansevero, who is also very... Uh, active on social as well. Uh, for me, for Tim O'Brien, follow me on the Twitters uh, at this point. I'm still celebrating the fact that the Blues won their very first Stanley Cup championship ever. Uh, so, <laughs> actually, got a coffee mug and a, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, But go <laughs> by the website if you would please aviation.tv, aviation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. While you're there, uh, you can register for our very next uh, webinar, comes your way. July 24th, uh, the uh, the gang at uh, um, State of Control will be joining me as we talk about APIs, user experience, and control. You can register for that. Also, while you're there, please, please check out our supporters section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Infocom coverage and Resi Week and all the others, and Atlas ID is one of those. So we thank them for their support. All that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. Hold